welcome back everybody to um, our second part of Meet Me in the Middle. Uh, we first had Amaya Poplar and man, you've got to go back and watch that one because this, this young lady, I'm not even going to call her a kid, this young 17-year-old lady has it going on. And so um, you want to go back and, and view her interview because it was super powerful. And to continue the power, uh, we're going to talk with Toya Poplar, which is her mom. And Toya, I see you as, and I, and I know that you have probably so many titles, but, you know, mentor, author, speaker, um, spiritual, right. advisor. What else, Joy? Writer. How did you say oh, that? Yeah. Yes. So, um, you know, we're going to go into this segment with you and just ask you some questions. Now, Joy, Joy and I had talked a little bit earlier about Save Our Sons, and I don't know that I've done as much research as I should have. So if you could share with us what Save Our Sons is all about. Okay. Um, Save Our Sons is the brainchild, actually, of April Bodie. She called me and was like, sis, we need to do something to talk to our youth about police pullover etiquette. And this was back the year of Philando Castile, Alton Sterling, and we just saw um, young black males being educated by YouTube on what to do during a police pullover stop. So we gathered several men of integrity that were all black. Um, the founder of the Huntsville Inner City Learning Center, Art Leslie at the time, the late Art Leslie, um, he volunteered to host it in his space. And so we gathered and we um, invited these men to speak into the lives of young men. And we recognized that it was vitally important for us to just take a back, a back seat and let these men speak. And what we found was um, these men all had stories of how they had been stopped by the police and they were keenly aware that their conversation and their conduct is what got them home safely. And wow. so they skillfully shared that with those young men. And we had a few mamas. Um, we had a white mom who was caring for young black men who were kind of like foster kids. And she had a story of being stopped with her sons and the car being surrounded with guns drawn she was able to see things that she knew um because of her the presence of the young men who lived in her household that she was exposed to that she wouldn't have otherwise even been aware of in terms of how they were treated so differently during a routine traffic stop mm -hmm. so that's where it came from we knew that um food April is a chef. She's an author, but she's also a chef by trade. And she was like, hey, sis, everybody's got to eat. Why not eat together? And we were trying to think of what to call it. And we both simultaneously said, she said, there's a, there's just a state of distress. And at the same time, we were like, SOS, save our sons. Like it was just wow. one of those organic moments that, um, that we just marvel at the very humble beginnings, but how vitally important and necessary those gatherings have been and how there are still people who can't see the need for why we gather. Hmm. Okay, so talk about, so 
my husband Roger and I have been to several of the Save Our Sons event, but um, and of course the pandemic has you know changed the gatherings a lot. But in a I'm going to say in a typical time period, um, when you first started and up until pandemic, it, um, talk about what a typical Save Our Sons gathering looked like and how often and all that kind of stuff and where and everything. Okay, so what happened was from that very modest meeting, the first one that we had, um, the civil unrest just continued to increase and we saw the need to gather again. And this time we knew it was important to, April and I live in a very diverse world. We knew it was important to have diversity. And so we invited local pastors, um, community leaders, some of the same men who were parts of our original panel and we gathered at the Cooper house and we share potluck dishes, poetry and perspectives. So a typical Save Our Sons would consist of people letting us know if they have a piece of um, poetry that they'd like to share, if they would like to share a perspective and everybody's invited to share a potluck dinner. So what we find is that poetry has a way of bypassing the intellect and permeating the heart. Um, potluck dishes are great because you get to experience someone's culture. And when you experience cuisine, it creates conversation. So we have a sharing of recipes and whatnot. And we just love that it's a safe place to talk about difficult subjects. What we find is that we're not afraid of talking about difficult subjects, our only fears of what happens to us as a society if we stop talking about the things that divide us. Yeah, and so everybody knows they have a YouTube channel, Save Our Sons, Huntsville, I think, is that how it's listed? Mm -hmm. um, so there's, you can check out some different things. I know here lately they've been doing, uh, just like this, um, Zoom meetings, you know, and, and still um, getting the good communication out that needs to get out. I know the ways that I'll share how it's impacted me personally is I remember when I first came there, I mean, you saw families together around the table, um, little white boys, little white uh, girls with little black boys and little black girls, you know what I mean? And I just, it was very diverse and people coming together, but even as families to to just come together and be together and say we are one you know and we want to be together and uh, learn together and that's what I love and then you always have just really creative people up front who share like you said poetry or I remember going to a concert one night there um, and that was just so cool and and one time we uh, you you took us through um uh, going through the When They See Us documentary. Whew. And that was deep and painful and needed. I always say this to people. I said, you have to watch this, but it's excruciatingly painful, but you have to watch this. You need to see this. You need to, to co-suffer, you know, with your Black brothers and sisters. And that's where it's brought a lot of pain to me, but needed pain. Um, but anyway, you help, you help bring pain to me in a good way, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's just like, um, 
to, to help continue to educate me as a white woman who didn't know so much and, and wasn't, a, honestly, was just ridiculously unaware of so much. And this has just been a great time for me to, to have the education and from real people. And let's just say that it's so important. People talk to me about a lot of theories and, and whatever. And I go, but you have to have real people, real faces sitting in front of you who don't look like you, who can tell you their story. And until you do that, I don't, I don't really want to hear the theories and the, your opinions until I know that you have somebody in your life that, that is real, not just someone, but some bodies. <laughs> So um, I had a question for you um, real quick, Toya. Um, when you first, when you and April first started Save Our Sons um, and you had this, this initial gathering, when you added the diversity piece to it, did you have any kind of um, hesitancy from the participants? From the original participants? Yes. Was it more fluid when it was all... I'm, I'm assuming, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, when it was all black boys um, with um, the, the, the facilitator, or was it just a myriad of people? So initially it was all black, okay. and I wouldn't say it was more fluid because the atmosphere was set from the beginning that it was a place in which black men's voices could be heard. So they could speak in all of their passion. Um, I think because of the environment that April and I um, create, mm -hmm. it has been consistently a place in which our goal is for the most misunderstood creatures in our nation, which is young Black men, to have a place in which they are celebrated mm -hmm. and their voices are our top priority. Mm -hmm. And so over time, the age range kind of shifted of the youth that attended and it kind of became very heavy with adult presences and the youth were sprinkled somewhere in between, but it's always a box of chocolates. Like we never know what we're going to get. I would say the greatest compliment we ever received once was from someone who said, this is like an underground railroad for mm -hmm. families. It's a Place where every age stage can come to and be edified and so what we did find Lindsay was that our white brothers and sisters like our white pastors our white male pastors who would come would position themselves to be like I am here to listen mm -hmm. and I um, am honored that you would invite me to sit on my on this panel but I know that my role here is to listen and so that um, the fact that we've created an environment where black men can be heard and not perceived as hostile like prior to save our sons my experience with multi-ethnic church spaces have been that all the people of color have to conform to be like less threatening versions of themselves yes. and so by the time you get through um watering down or dressing up or mm -hmm. i don't even know the word it just We're making people feel comfortable Yes, it becomes this like pervasive colorblind space that's ineffective. Mm -hmm. And so I'm grateful for 
the pastor Alex Shipman's a black pastor who has a multi, he pastors a multi-ethnic church space who's been one of our most faithful supporters um, the Roger Martins the Bruce Martins super faithful and consistent like I feel so blessed that everybody can come and be the joint that God called them to be and supply what God called them to supply and have a reverence and respect for everybody's voices. Like our, our kind of motto and mantra has been teamwork makes the dream work. And we've literally been able to see how little, like, I don't know, like just, just how God can take a little and do a lot with it. And, um, Many hands make for light work. We have Jamama Hand who facilitated the When They See Us um, panel discussion. He also taught us for um, Juneteenth for a lot of people, even people of color. It was their first time yeah. hearing about Juneteenth. So we've been really blessed to have people come and so support, so um, understand, listen, empathize, like, I just feel, you know, the word ally has been thrown around so much over the course of the last few months. And I would just have to say that we go a step further and just say we're family mm -hmm. because for the people who've been consistently rocking with us, they're, they're more than allies. They're more than advocates. They're brothers and sisters in Christ who bear our burdens with us and, and weep with us and lament with us and mourn with us and also celebrate with us. So I know that was expansive, but I just wanted to paint a picture of how rare the environment is. Yeah. Like for a lot of people, it's hard for them to believe that we've been gathering since 2014 and it's never been an adversarial atmosphere. Yeah, that's a blessing. I was gonna ask you, when, when was the initial um, year of the birth of it, 2014? That's incredible. Mm -hmm. and can I just say, I'm pretty sure, I, I think it was Save Our Sons where I first learned about Juneteenth. I never knew about Juneteenth, you know, and didn't Jay Mahan do that whole thing too with, um, you know, presentation and the whole bit, and I'm just sitting here wide-eyed, like, oh my goodness, why do we not hear these things? Why do we not hear about these things? Were we not listening, or is it not spoken there's just so much and i have learned so much and i have felt it an honor to be there and and to you know go through um talking about this together because one thing i love that you do at save our sons is is you give opportunity for open dialogue there you know you're not just up there lecturing people even though you know i need to just sit and listen but you you give space for open so people can talk about like um I have this question where do you feel like Save Our Sons is still kind of hanging in the middle right now what do you think is the most middle that's going on right now right now I would say that we've gained so many new supporters in so little time that what breaks my heart is they've never experienced and on-site Save Our Sons. And so they're getting a lot of information in the absence of the revelation that we experience when we gather. And so that kind of breaks my heart um, because it can be overwhelming to just absorb information 
without the inspiration that um, lightens and allows you to be able to digest what you just um, were exposed to. So I would say that's where we're hanging in the middle is that the pandemic has empowered us to be able to do live streams and kind of show the world on a, I mean, you know, show the rest of our nation what happens behind closed doors. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the tech. I'm grateful for Brian Carpenter. I'm grateful for our live streams. But it, it's disheartening to me that we haven't been able to break bread because I think that's a really intimate component. And I think that's where relationships are built. So just doing life together. And that's really powerful what you just got finished saying. I mean, it cuts you off. Um, it, it, it's really powerful because you lose something when there's not that face-to-face gathering. There's, there's messages that are lost. And I, and, and I kind of hear that's what you're saying. Um, yeah. How many people do you have coming um, virtual, virtually? So virtually, we have over 600 members in our hidden Facebook group. So we have a private Facebook group. Um, on average, when we do a live stream, we have on the night of the stream, I'd say about 250 people watching. And then when we meet on site, on average, we have at least 100 people that consist of, of families. That's incredible. I didn't, see, I didn't know it was that large. Wow. So yeah, do you have well, different chapters in different parts of Alabama or this is it? This is it. So here's the irony. When we first came up with our cute little SOS, Mm -hmm. there were none like that we were aware of. Like I Googled it and and researched it because authenticity means a lot to me. But over time, it's been amazing to see how many Save Our Sons groups have um, emerged throughout the United States. And it's heart-wrenching because to name something Save Our Sons denotes that there is a need for our sons to be saved. Yes. And so that's heart-wrenching. My father-in-law, actually, who is in Michigan, notified me one day, and he said, Toya, there's a group here in Detroit that meets called Save Our Sons and Daughters. And that acronym would spell so sad, so Save Our Sons and Daughters. Mm. And so um, I'm grateful to hear that there are similar groups. There, there are similar online groups, and that's why we named ours Save Our Sons Huntsville. Actually, it's been Save Our Sons Huntsville from the start, but mm. I'm thankful that we distinguished it so that when people search for us, they can locate us. And Toya, what would you say for your, your you've got four boys, mm-hmm. um, three young, like middle school and below, or middle school-ish age, and then one is, how old is your oldest? He's 22. 22. What, that has to be a driving force for you and April both to start this. I know it was out of your own sons as well, obviously. Um, and what are you what is one of the biggest things you're trying to keep telling your boys right now in this climate so um between april and i both we have seven sons among us and we have seven sons and four daughters um as friends Uh and um just the thought that our hearts as moms just broke like every time that we see um 
a George Floyd, a Jacob Blake, every time it's just, we're seeing our sons, we're seeing our husbands, we're seeing our uncles, we're seeing our brothers, we're seeing our fathers. And so um, our desire is not just to see our sons safe, but saved and coming together under the umbrella of Jesus is of utmost priority. I actually had someone recently share their critique of Save Our Sons, and they said, you know, I understand why y'all do what you do. I just don't understand why you wouldn't talk about the kingdom. And that kind of perplexed me because why talk about something when you're living it out? Like, I don't know of another space where you can go and gather and break bread and share the gospel and see the gospel personified like the atmosphere that we get to experience at Save Our Sons. And so I'm so sorry, Joy, what was your question to me? I just blanked on it completely. That was, that was great. No, I just want to know what your, you know, what's a big motivating factor that you need to share to your sons right now. And I love that you have seven sons between you. That sounds like some kind of, I don't know, book we need to write about or something, seven sons. Um, but what right now, and, and, you know, you had told me one time before, um, um, is it Ahmad Arbery was in, Atlanta, the jogger, right? Is that, do I have the right name with the Mr. right? Georgia, uh-huh. Yeah, Georgia. Um, before that ever happened, you had told me one day that your own husband, Melvin, was getting up to jog one morning or whatever, and that he um, took a picture or something of his drive. Anyway, he, he had to do certain things before he left, and um, take a picture of his driver's license or something. And I don't know, you can tell that story about how it just broke your heart that what he had to go through um, just to go out and jog that morning. And this was before that happened. And now, and some people may have thought, well, that's a little bit overkill, isn't it? But now, oh no, not. So, um, but what, what are the things that you're having to tell your boys right now, you know? and your oldest and your littles and you know so here's the deal joy my husband's been a black man his whole life <laughs> so <laughs> these kind of preemptive strategies aren't new like we're we might just be hearing about them but we've been together since i was 16 and he was 17 and he would tell me things like i mean i i just see him like get dressed up to go to the bank and i'd be like babe it's your money why are you getting dressed up to go to the bank? And he'd say, you're not a black man. So when we fly, he'd wear a shirt and tie. And I'd be like, why are you flying with a shirt and tie on? I want to wear the closest things, the closest thing to pajamas when I fly. And he'd say, Toya, you're not a black man. Like I have countless stories to where even I could not see what I could not see. And over time, as I started to see, I realized if I had a dissonance and I'm a black female, I mean, I was aware of some things, but some things I would think were extreme. How much more my friends who navigate through the world totally different from a person of color. And so when people can't see their privilege, it's, it's sad that like I grew up in a city to where the emphasis, like we got a primary education, and we got a secondary education. And that secondary education was, don't let your good be evil spoke of. 
that secondary education was, you got to be twice as good. That secondary education was, you need to act like you got some sense. Like there was so much respectability politics that was imposed and ingrained in us to where it becomes your responsibility. Like if something goes awry, Mm -hmm. even though this person in authority or this officer has all this training and this is their career path that they chose, somehow it still was taught that it was our responsibility to de-escalate to in the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to, to remain calm and to use your words to navigate through whatever you were walking through. And so um, I teach my boys those same things. But what's terrifying for me is I feel like it's not working. Like the unrest that I see, the fact that Ahmad was just jogging, like the, the fact that I hear these dialogues where people justify the excessive force in, in shootings like Jacob Blake. When I saw that man's stature and that you could, you could restrain him by holding his t-shirt, I thought, why not just tackle him? Why not throw down your weapon and just give him a bear hug like you would an autistic child. Like I just am so perplexed to see the excessive force because my mama heart breaks because I know that with everything that I teach my boys, it's still not enough to keep them safe. They can have the greatest diction. They can use all their manners. You look at Elijah McClain and that baby tried to navigate through that situation by actually complimenting the people who were abusing him that's devastating for me and so I really um I'm running out of strategies well it makes you it makes you it makes you want to feel hopeless because the young man that just shot two people and he was like 17 with an AK-47 and he was complimented by the police for protecting himself and given water. And I, like you, both are parents, but I, like you, Toya, have a 24-year-old young man who his father taught him to have self-respect, to be articulate, um, to work twice as hard, all, all the, the litany of things that you just named off. Um, and yet there's a part in my heart when I don't talk to him every day and he lives five hours away with his sister. Um, when he drives home, like he's coming home this weekend and he likes to drive late at night because he thinks he's invincible. But he's also aware of everything going on socially what what keeps me awake and what keeps me on edge and not that i'm not submitting it to the lord but it just my humanity it keeps me on edge um as 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 a black mother is my son told me mom if something like this happens i'm going to die now he didn't say he's going to die because you know he he's he's going to be um necessarily i mean he 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 believes that part of the scenario would be him being mistreated but he would die standing up for 
what he believes are his human rights. But to hear your child say that leaves you on total edge. Knowing what type of child I have, knowing that my child's gonna look you straight in the eye and that might be offensive to a person in authority. My child is gonna speak um, his mind, even though he's a 24 year old young man. Yeah. Okay. He's not going to back down. Yeah. He's going to have a sound factual argument to protect himself. And if you put hands on him, he's going to defend himself. That, that has me on pins and needles. It's terrifying. It is. It's terrifying. And so you pray and you ask God to, to cover your children. And, um, and at the same time, like I said, humanity is, is battling right here because it's like, okay, Lord, I know you're in control, but you know, I'm mama bear and I want to be in control. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can totally relate to that. I can totally, um, understand the angst that it produces in a person, you know, um, and that's the, that's the, uh, what did Amaya say? The tone deaf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly that's what the, it that's is. the tone deaf. Um, kind of like the juxtaposition that we're put in with society. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. see, I don't see color. No, you gotta see color. Well, Lindsay, to that point, I, I we have a private, uh, community group where I live okay. and we live in a very rural area and <clears throat> I've had times where like I shared with joy my husband was going out to jog and I just wanted to give people the heads up like hey my husband's jogging and I got a very dismissive response from a neighbor and love her dearly but it was that tone deafness that was like, oh, Melvin's fine. He's a great guy. Like, as if him being an awesome dad or a hard worker or whatever was going to protect. Because within that same um, time frame, my husband was out jogging and someone in our neighborhood pulled out their cell phone and recorded him while he was jogging. And you can imagine how threatening that feels for someone to even hold up a device Yes. While you're jogging, it yes. was not light outside yet. So you don't know if this person has a weapon or if they have their phone. But the fact that he pays a mortgage in this community, like the person who recorded him, I just started pleading with him to go to the YMCA because it just left me at such a heightened state of awareness. And even when it comes to my son, um, my son and my godson, they were going to go drive through some backwoods area to play video games. They are brilliant kids. My, my godson, perfect ACT score. Like they're just brilliant kids. And before they left, I said, can I pray for you guys? And they're looking like Auntie Toya, but they were wearing hoodies and they were going to be driving. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, I just want to pray for y'all. Mm -hmm. And so I know that sometimes as believers, we feel hopeless when we say things like, all we can do is pray. 
But the absolute best thing we can do is pray because it is truly up to God. And, and much like you said with your, your son, Lindsay, my son is highly intelligent. His voice rises when he's stressed. He has a nervous shake. Um, and someone would think that he was unstable or that he had a weapon and he, he is the kindest or that he's on drugs or something. And um, same, same trait with my godson. His voice, very outspoken. His voice rises when he's passionate about something. And that just scares me that we have to have like, like the Central Park um, criminal, like you've got to be the, the, the perfect kind of black man in order for people to hear your story. A bird watcher, an Ivy League educated, like it just breaks my heart that not every person is treated with the equity and dignity and respect that they should be just for being a human being, particularly um, uh, people of color and, and young men. It's just heart, it's heart-wrenching for me. Mm. I have a friend in Georgia and uh, she is uh, a, a black lady and she has two sons and um, I forget which one of the situations, whether it was George Floyd or another one, but um, she she just sent a message like, I can't stop crying because um, it's just like that was my son, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just so personal, you know, to her. Um, and she said, I'm so worried about my son who is in the medical field. And, um, but she said he has, you know, like maybe getting off his shift late at night or something and she said I'm so afraid for him that he'll get pulled over or something and so we're not here to say that all policemen are like that or anything like that but um there's a reality that a lot of people just just don't don't see don't want to see or or aren't listening or tone deaf to um like Maya said um and it just breaks my heart. You know, I have two sons and, you know, we talked about this before we had an interview with Shaquilla Willie way back when I, that might, I think that was our first meet me in the middle. And it was talking about raising black boys. She's got a son who I think is about 12 or something. Mm-hmm. And um, she was saying some of the things that she says to her son before going out to school, and, and like what to wear, what not to wear, you know, when to put your hood up, don't put your hood up thing. And I just like, I never thought about saying that to my boys. I mean, I thought I was saying, hey, be nice, you know, be nice to everybody, da, 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 whatever, you know, or, but not that, you know, not things like that. And it just, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And, and with you, I mean, I, I would be lost in despair, um, even knowing that now and having you two, you two are just precious friends of mine. I'm so thankful for your speaking into my life and being, you know, open to say what you need to say. It's okay. I mean, I got to hear it. Um, But sometimes I think, God, I don't know if I can handle this pain of it for my black brothers and sisters. Um, But somewhere God gives us hope. And like you said, prayer you know, is not a trite thing that we no. do as believers, you know, right. Right. prayer is calling the forces of heaven and God over our children, you know, and our grandchildren or whatever. I mean, Lindsay's got a little, he's got a cute little black grandbaby too, you know, and um, 
Yeah, I mean, I just, I just long for God to keep giving us hope, you know, in the middle of such unrest. Um, and I guess all I can say of hope to you is I'm with you. I'm with you girls, you're my sisters. So um, mm -hmm. that's the hope that I can give, I don't know. Lindsay, you got any more hope to share? In the, at, I, just, at the I just want to say that um, thank you for explaining what Save Our Sons means. Um, thank you for letting God use you and April to start such a powerful ministry. Um, it's another resource that, that I can definitely tap, in, tap into as a mother of a young black man and I can send to my son and my husband um, and my daughter and you know just pass it on because um, my son, he would love to engage in um, a group where he can find fellowship and freedom to speak um, and to have a safe place. You know, he's always looking for resources like that. Um, so thank you for letting God use you to be a conduit to the community in such a powerful way. And, and I know that since he started it, he's going to bless it. He's going to continue to bless it exponentially. Um, so that at one point we're all singing on the same note. Amen. That's beautiful. Well said, Lindsay. Can I share one more component of Save Our Sons that I left out? Actually, probably two more components. One of which is that we recently partnered with um, an organization. It was right prior to the pandemic, so we didn't even really get to announce it within our group. And um, it is an acronym, Ryan. It's Reaching Youth Across Nationalities. And the founder of that group, her name is Kasha Edwards, and um, it is for survivors of bullying. Her brother was actually um, killed for standing up to a bully, and so it's a homicide survivor, and she has joined arms with us because she just believes in our heart for racial reconciliation and one of the unique things about our group is that we have local officers to support our group as well. And um, we are very thankful for the dialogue in which our officers come in and they're willing to be vulnerable and transparent and humanize the officer's plight. And so as believers, that's really important to us that all voices are heard and that we are actively tearing down some of those adversarial walls that exist between law enforcement and um, youth and just the misunderstanding. It's amazing what happens when you get to hear someone else's story. And we have uh, Officer Tori Green, yes. who has faithfully been willing to come and share his heart and his convictions. And we just greatly appreciate the perspective that he brings. It adds so much value to our group that we get to dwell together in unity and know that if we want our grandchildren to live in a different united United States, then we have to learn how to navigate together. And it starts with us. And so I thank you guys for the opportunity to share. Um, Save Our Sons is very near and dear to my heart. And it is, um, special to me that many who could not see while we gathered are now seeing it in hindsight and they're seeing it as one of the only um, 
I don't want to say only like we're so exceptional, but they're seeing it as something that bridges their faith with the desire for justice that they have, that they can align their hearts with and not secretly side eye. And so unto the pure, all things are pure. And I'm thankful that we have been able to be um, clean streams for the Father to flow through as a nonpartisan group, that our, our goal is ultimately that we would love our neighbor as ourselves, every nation, every tribe, every tongue. And um, I'm just grateful for the people who have consistently supported us in that effort and they get it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the essence of kingdom work. Yeah. You yeah. are living out the kingdom, sister. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been there. And just so you know, guys, Saberson's is not just a place where sons go or fathers and sons or... I mean, Raj and I are both empty nesters, so our children don't even live in the same state with us. So um, older people can go. Um, It's for everybody because we all need to be a part of a community like this. So if not save our sons, please find a community like this that is diverse where you can sit at the table together and get to know each other. And like Toya said, listen. So this is a community that that all ages can come to, whether you, even if you don't have children at home anymore, um, it is just really, really a good community to be a part of, learn a lot. You are living out God's kingdom, Toya Poplar. And April out there. <laughs> how can, how can, um, so give a shout out as far as okay. times that you meet, when, how, I mean, you know, what the YouTube is and all that. Give a shout out. Okay. So you can find us at Save Our Sons Huntsville on YouTube and you can watch our past live streams. Um, you can go to SaveOurSonsHuntsville.com or .org and you can pull up our all dates calendar Um, You can join our private Facebook group if you just search for Save Our Sons Huntsville. And I'll put that in all the um, descriptions too, but that's really good. Back back, we've got more. There's so much more. Toya is so full of just (laughs) wonderful things. So uh, come back and we'll see you next time. Thank you.